on 89.9, The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. And it is just wonderful to be able to have a, a chat to a man who uh, I've had the privilege of knowing for a number of years now. And boy, does he just have a heart for people. That's what I absolutely love about uh, Dr. Dennis Wong, who joins us now by the wonders of Zoom. G'day, Dennis. G'day, mate. How are you going? I am doing really, really well. And uh, it is something that is just so a part of who you are. As I think of you, I think of you. Your, your family and as well, um, you just have a heart for people. And we, we want to talk about a specific topic today as well, which also has your heart beating. And we wanted to talk about dementia, which not many people perhaps want to talk about. Why for you is it something that is so passionate? Thanks, uh, Clayton, for this um, opportunity. Yes, uh, I guess, first of all, the, the dementia, just want to clarify the use of the term dementia. It is the most commonly used term uh, worldwide and also back home as well. But I just don't like this term dementia because it really has a very negative connotation. It actually labels people having like use by date, so to speak. So to me, I, I like to use uh, probably refer people with dementia as having cognitive deficit or deficiency because not every person or people with cognitive deficiency has dementia. To fulfill dementia, thank goodness, we have very strict criteria. It has to have, they have to fulfill a certain criteria before we can label people having dementia. So that's the, the first thing I'd like to bring to the listeners' um, attention. So why do I have... Um, such a, a passion for this, uh, for, 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 uh, for cognitive impairment is because um, I'm just an ordinary bloke, uh, a doctor, a specialist in aged care who has very special um, interest in people with cognitive deficit. And also I'm a grandson to a grandmother who suffer from very, very prolonged cause of dementia since nine, from 1994 until she died a few years ago. I saw the journey that she has gone through, the, the suffering that she has gone through, and not only her suffering, but also my aunties and my uncles, my dad and mum, the agonizing journey in terms of making decision for her because she's no longer competent, so to speak, to make her own decision. It is just agonizing. So these really of these factors have really stirred me up and uh, my, my, my passion to help people not only suffering from cognitive deficit, but also more the families, the relative, and it has a major impact on the society. And the society in a sense has kind of uh, failed to recognize that people with cognitive deficit, John is still John, Mary is still Mary. They are who they are. Yeah. A long-winded yeah. answer. Yeah. No, no, no. That was a fantastic answer to it. I love that. And our family has also experienced this too. My grandfather had Alzheimer's for a number of years, and uh, it was something that was uh, really difficult for a number of members of the family. I, I actually committed quite early to going and seeing him every week. Um, and at that stage, I think I was, uh, I might've been in university or early work. I can't remember where it was. And 
I would make sure I'd go and visit him. And and I've got to say, you know, it was a long drive each time, but at the same point, um, it's a bit heartbreaking as you see uh, somebody who you love is deteriorating in different ways. And other members of the family said, look, I, I just, I can't see Papa like that. I've got to remember him the way he was. And, uh, and you know, we've everyone deals with that in different ways. But the key for me was very much what you said. Um, he is still who he is. Um, and there were still moments and, and I was able to just love him as much as I could in, in what it was, even though that was quite a heartbreaking journey. So definitely I'm, I'm passionate about this topic as well, Dennis. Can we maybe um, break up our conversation into three parts? Uh, I'm wondering the first part, if we could talk about the, the patient themselves and, and what you see as some, um, you know, best ways to, uh, to look after and treat uh, somebody who may be uh, suffering from cognitive deficit or, or, or one of the dementia or Alzheimer's, whatever it might be. Part two, maybe we can talk about how do we support each other, those who are caring for somebody in that space. And then I'd love to spend a little bit of time just, I know that there's um, various people talking at the moment about different drugs that are coming out and prevention opportunities around it. So I'm thinking that's how we may talk. If you're comfortable with that, let's start with uh, the, the person themselves. Uh, for, for those of us around them, how best should we be working and, and walking with somebody who has a cognitive def deficit People with cognitive deficit, um, they present in a very different way. And it depending on how far into the course of their illness that had been first picked up by a medical specialist, such as myself. Um, if you, as, as the medical science progress and people know more and more about this condition, they begin to present themselves a lot earlier uh, to the medical uh, specialist. I, I have seen definitely in my day-to-day -day clinical practice that uh, a lot, uh, about, I would say about 20%, uh, it's what I, I, I describe as worried well, because they've heard it um, uh, in the news, they've read about it, and they're a bit concerned that their short-term memory is not the best. And then about a third of them, maybe in their early stage, uh, uh, of the of the illness and where they present most commonly with a short-term memory loss and loss of um, orientation from day to day and then the rest are more into the moderate and the late stage where they have very challenging behavior and personality um, changes mm -hmm. so these these um, people depending on which stage you catch them uh, it, it can be managed uh, very um, uh, you know, it has to be managed differently. And uh, in the third part of our conversation, I'll go into a little bit about the current available treatment or the emerging treatment that come out from from US. Yeah. No doubt, our listener have spoken, um, have 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 have, uh, have seen it in, in the, and heard about it in the media. So back to these uh, uh, people with um, um, dementia, uh, with, with dementia, a real um, a final diagnosis of dementia was made, for example that it is very important to know that brain is a very complex organ. A short-term memory impairment because you have to repeat your information to them again and again, doesn't mean that they, they can't use the, um, the, the different parts of the brain um, um, to function. For example, uh, if a wife asks the husband to get a carton of milk, for example, from the fridge, and three steps into, into that, and the husband has forgotten 
that what the wives wanting to, you know, you, you may say this is selective hearing loss, like most couples do, but it's a, because it is a real issue. Then the wife could have just used the strategies that, John, could you please get a carton of milk, you know, the milk that comes out from a cow. Can you imagine the carton of milk in your brain? So this is using imagination and other parts of brain to compensate for the short-term memory loss, for instance, so that uh, just keep repeating the information so that John remember that he is to get a carton of milk from the fridge. This is one of the many, many examples. Yeah. There are many tricks that we can do. Yeah. Um, I'm also wondering if fear is something that pops up for people in their early stages as well. I think... Um, certainly, as I've uh, chatted to various people, they they might be going to get a test or they might be, uh, you know, whatever, just recently diagnosed. And, and fear seems to be a big part of this. Um, how do we best combat that um, for the person themselves and I suppose those around? I think, yes, fear and um, uncertainty uh, is, is really because of this negative um, connotation that is attached to this word uh, dementia. I think the best we could do is just to remind that person that he is, again, he is who he is. And, um, you know, he's just to maximize um, what, um, what he still has, still encourage him uh, to play golf. He is a golfer. Still encourage him to bake a cake if he was good in baking before. And uh, I think one of the natural things that the spouse do is that um, it's likely to take over um, the independence or erode independence of their um, of their loved one because uh, I'm concerned that you know uh, he or she cannot manage this task anymore. It's a fine balance. There is no finite answer to that. I always um, uh, uh, tell my, uh, my 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 clients that um, you've got to give them still give them a bit of independence because we are all a dignified person that we really need that. Um, you know, demeter to 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 survive, and you know, keep bring don't bring up the topic, um, but just keep um, keep on uh, give positive hope, and also focus on what this person can still do, and let them do well. Yeah. In one of the many approaches that I use. Yeah, I think a, a number of those sorts of helps it probably works for those around them as well don't they as you, as we remind ourselves as we care for those Let, let's talk about that I, I know that certainly for our family when uh, my grandfather was going through alzheimer's one of the things that we had was um we were allowed to joke about it because that helped us as a family you know a bit of the the, the black humor about what it is and oh well he's left his things there or whatever it might be but no one else was uh, anyone outside the family joked about what it was no 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 we're protective here um what is the best way for families and uh, this is support crews to look after themselves and i suppose for us to be looking after them the best thing for the family members and people that um, the loved ones surrounding the uh, people with cognitive deficit or um, uh, dementia, uh, people suffering from dementia, is to actually know that um, the, 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 that this person, yes, he is he or she may be different. Um, when we ask the questions, um, he or she may not answer directly. You got to remind yourself that you know again you know uh, he is still he is he he is still who he is, and, and, and try not to be judgmental and try to be more patient, 
uh, and also go around at a different way of, um, of asking questions uh, or not try to ask a complex question or break up the questions into separate different parts and to ensure that first of all, this person have heard it. A lot of people in this age group because people with dementia, dementia happen commonly uh, when they get older, but it's not a guarantee, thank goodness for that. And that is a very different, um, very different, uh, very different uh, view. Um, it happens more commonly in people that's growing older. And most, some, very commonly, these people have hearing problems, for example. We've got to make sure that you actually hear information first. If you can't hear the information, you didn't hear the information, we really can't blame the memory is a problem because I didn't hear it in the first place. So people around it, um, uh, around it just need to know that, yes, John um, is different. His short-term memory is different, but then, you know, his sense of humor is still there. Yeah. You know, long-term memory. One of the common strategies is for us, I encourage family to bring up the old album to actually bring back the positive and the happy memory. Our Europe trip, our New Zealand trip before. And hey, who is this John standing beside you? Oh, it's, um, it's Brett. Who is Brett? Oh, Brett is my best mate. Uh, you know, just bring back the previous, the past memory. You know, this this will help. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to come back in just a couple of moments time with uh, Dr. Dennis Wong as we keep talking about cognitive deficit and dementia. We're going to focus specifically on um, what do we do now to uh, help those who are helping somebody with that? Uh, we want to talk about some of those. And we are specifically going to talk about uh, these new ideas, that new drugs that are coming through and, and uh, new ways to perhaps potentially prevent some of this occurring. Is this all actually fair income or not? We'll hear a bit more about that and uh, the suggestions from Dennis on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and uh, Dr. Dennis Wong joins us. We're talking about one of his absolute passions in, in the world that he is in. He specializes in those in aged care and we're talking about those with cognitive deficit today, uh, also those who've been officially diagnosed with some form of dementia as well. We've talked a bit about the patient already and sort of the clarification around what we believe it is. Let's talk about those who are around the person now too, Dennis. Um, I would imagine, and I think one of the things that um, is would be hard to do, but I think it's probably important, I'd like to see if you, you agree, is that, you know, especially those who are spending all their time around somebody, um, that it's okay for them to have a bit of respite, even though they might feel a bit guilty about that. Is that true? Absolutely. I think the, the focus now, not only the people um, suffering from this condition, but also the supporting network, which is crucial in preventing someone from entering nursing home eventually. They may eventually need that level of care, so to speak, but how do we keep them at home uh, as long as we can uh, without uh, carers burnt out? It's yeah. a real term, which I see that every day, every time when I see a client in my, in my room. See, the, Clay, the challenge of our society at the moment is uh, for the carer is that we have the specialty, we have the diagnostic ability, we have the treatment options and management options, and we have the My Age Care, and we have a very good website, um, dementia.org.au, by the government. It's just heaps and tons of information outside. We are not short of services, but then these services are ad hoc. 
you know, it is very common. Let me give you an example. Let's say, let's say um, a carer comes to see uh, a doctor and this uh, general practitioner thought, okay, well, I'll send you to see, send the father to see a specialist like myself. And I diagnose, uh, unfortunately, you know, Alzheimer's disease, which is the most common type of dementia, right? And, and then I'll send the patient back to the general practitioner, perhaps start some medications. As the condition progresses, the carers say, okay, my father need more and more help. Where do I get help? All right, why don't you call my age care, which is a one-stop shop government has, Commonwealth government has set up. And then when you call the one, when, when the carer calls this number, they have to go through hoops and, and, and just a lot of, a lot of information um, that this carer really doesn't have time and expertise in doing. So the services that are available in the community are all broken, so to speak, quote unquote, is that no one is there really to coordinate and bring them all to make the carer's life easier mm. because Carers is there 24-7. You know, they have to deal with everything from the physical assistance, helping them to shower, going out. Every time when the carer wants to go out to, to do a shopping, they're concerned that um, the, the, uh, the, the loved one might actually do something that is unwise at home because of their lack of ability to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like let, leave the guest stove on, for example. It's this fear and anxiety. So... I think how to best help the carers is to someone to coordinate all the helps that are available in the community to help them to lessen the load. Yeah. Um, Dennis, we, we also want to have a chat um, about, I know there's been various Royal commissions around it. I know there's, uh, you know, a, what's seen maybe is perhaps a bit of a wonder drug happening around in the U S um, and then I want us to finish our conversation today around some of the preventative things that, you know, have been talked about. Could you you talk briefly about the, the, the Royal Commission and, and this drug in the States and what should we be expecting out of this? Yeah. The, the commissioner, um, the two commissioner, Briggs and uh, Pegon, uh, both of them has done a tremendous job um, in, I guess, in um, in airing the dirty uh, laundry, I guess, um, the skeletons now, you know, out of the closet, so to speak. Yeah. The, I have read the recommendation. There's 160 of them recommendation, and most of them are, um, are centered on, you know, how to best help um, the, the carer, make the respite um, more accessible, um, the, cut down the cost of, of the of, um, of the of the respite, and also um, some of the recommendation are centered on how to manage the people suffering from dementia well by not using those nasty medications that we all talk about, how to give them a better quality of life and how to involve them in their care, become individualized because no one person is the same in this whole journey of dementia, if you like. So so that's from the Royal Commission, I guess, uh, not surprisingly, because as a clinician, I have seen this for the past 10, 15 years, in my, in, my, in my career. And now that I'm glad that this Royal Commission that actually articulated it so well and put it in the document that hopefully the, um, you know, the Commonwealth government will just implement whatever the commissioner is, um, is, um, is talking about. Yeah. And now, and you want to talk, now let's, let's change tack of been talking about the management. Um, the, 
Unfortunately, this condition is a progressive condition. To date, there are no medication or wonder drug that are able to stop it on in its track and to reverse it. The latest um, uh, you might have heard um, from uh, the FDA in US have just approved a drug called Educanumab, which is a mouthful. And without trying to be too technical, it is a antibody that is developed once a month infusion mm. um, and found that after a year of treatment, this intravenous uh, infusion of, uh, um, of antibody targeting the protein, which we believe is the culprit developed, uh, uh, um, uh, culprit in Alzheimer's disease, um, may help and may slow down the progress, but not stop it or mm. reverse what is lost. You can't do that. So this is after 18 years of agonizing medical science research. This, is the, this was the first drug that gives us a glimmer of hope that potentially something can be done to slow, if we can slow down the progression, we perhaps give two or three years of quality time for this person who's suffering from dementia to be able to stay at home rather than moving into a nursing home, which is certainly um, the, the, the game. Uh, we want to keep people at home as much as possible and we want to support the carers. Yeah. How, how early are they saying that you can start taking that, um, sort of those antibodies? How? How, how early is it so that you need to have been diagnosed with it? Is it the fact that you get close to cognitive deficit and that's when you should do it? Yeah. Sort of- uh, if, you look at the, if you look at the research, it's been used in someone having very early onset or even what we call mild cognitive impairment uh, stage uh, because these medications target the corporate protein called um, a beta amyloid protein, which is like a plaque in the brain if you look at the graph, it actually accumulates way before people notice short-term memory loss. So by using the antibody to clear the culprit protein in the brain, we think that it may actually slow the progression. It doesn't stop it, but it will slow the progress, yeah. progression um, as people, as, as people um, uh, grow uh, older. So it is very early in Australia. We expect the TGA and authority will give us a report probably towards the end of next year. Yeah, sure. Uh, hasn't been used yet. Yeah. Um, so final thing we want to talk about too, because everybody wants to be able to go, oh, how do I stop this happening? <laughs> right? And I, I'm not sure if we actually should be uh, talking about our spaces and places of, oh, well, if I do this, I eat blueberries, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely not have that happen. I, I don't think that's a healthy situation. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but are there some things that we can do to help prevent in a way, or at least be best possible to put ourselves in a position to perhaps delay or perhaps even push off some of the uh, cognitive deficit? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked this question because this is indeed the hot topic. If we can't do anything to stop this condition, if we can't treat this condition, why not we stop it from happening? Lancet is a medical journal um, uh, who is a very well known and uh, very uh, published and excellent two papers, one in 2017 and the other one is this year, about um, identify 12 risk factors. If you have these 12 risk factors, it puts you at an increased risk of developing um, dementia. 
and uh, then the and and if you look at the twelve risk factors, um, uh, it's actually something. And and they think the authority think that these twelve risk factors contribute to up to forty percent of global dementia cases. So that is a lot. Mm-hmm. Most of the forty percent are in the low income and middle income um, uh, country. But for us, the advanced economy, you now things like keeping the blood pressure under control stop smoking, uh, do regular exercise 15 to 30 minutes every day, five days a week, mm. get our weight down, treat our depression, uh, control our diabetes, um, and also importantly, uh, maintain our social contact, reduce our alcohol intake, all this mm. uh, modifiable, we can't change who we are, our genetics, some are genetically um, inherited, unfortunately, um, but you know, but we can uh, um, modify a lot of these uh, of these risk factors. So I'm sure you've heard of this before. All these common risk factors are for heart disease, for stroke, and 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 it is no difference. Cognitive health is exactly the same. Yeah, and I mean, it's another reason to help us, encourage us to say, hey, look, uh, work at those disciplines, uh, put those uh, great things around you to help with that, and your great supports around you as well. Um, Dennis, it's been wonderful. Um, can we just perhaps, if somebody wants to uh, read a bit more, you mentioned, I think, a great website a bit earlier on. What, what was that website again? The dementia.org.au. Dementia.org.au. And so, that's, uh, um, it's yeah. a Commonwealth government-sponsored um, uh, website, and it has just wealth of information about this condition, and they can provide um, online and telephone support for the carers group. They have regular educations, uh, educating the carers about how to manage uh, this, um, this, this condition. You know, should this happen, what can be done? What are the support um, uh, um, available? And uh, yeah, there's just wealth of information on the internet, but I know the carers have very limited time. We're all time poor, myself yeah. included. Yeah. So, yeah. Dementia.org.au. Dennis, thank you so much for your time. It's been just wonderful uh, hearing your passion, but also uh, hopefully educating and inspiring a a heap of us as well. Thank you again. Yeah, no worries. Pleasure. Dr. Dennis Wong, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.